out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in and all the details, all the characters, all the places, things and concepts from that galaxy far, far away, and it is a very special day, because it is our 100th episode! Yay! Yay! Woo! Celebrate! My name is Mac, your perpetual host, and I'm here with my fellow Centurion, Ross. Oh, Mac, wow, it is great to be here for our uh, 100th-ish episode, officially our 100th episode. Uh, we'll ignore the other ones that came before, right? Well, uh, yeah. We have made a hundred... <laughs> Our hundredth week Our of broadcast. Want to put it that we way? We are so happy to be here for a huge topic. A topic that we have been dancing around for far too long. We appreciate it over the last several weeks. You have taken to our Twitter to vote for what you'd like to hear us talk about. It has been an overwhelming success. Yeah, and you, for, say, you say huge topic. Yes, a gargantuan monster topic. The biggest topic, some could say. Uh, about. The only we, thing we did worse is like we did the force. <laughs> yes, the force would be worse. So we decided for episode 100, we wanted to talk about Luke Skywalker. Right. But of course, we can't talk about Luke Skywalker as a whole because that would take 12 hours. No, no, we thought we could. That's why we polled you, the audience, <laughs> of, hey, let's let's break it down into movies. What movie do you want to hear about the most? We'll focus yes. on that, Luke. Yes. And of course, The Last Jedi won because that is the most interesting. But it was close. Return of the Jedi came in second, Empire, and then A New Hope last. So Mac and I got together and we decided that, you know what? Luke is so much bigger than a single movie that Just, we needed to talk about all of them. I so, love the way you're putting that. Not we looked at each other's notes and said, can we actually find enough recording time to record all of this? And if I'm talking about Last Jedi, those things are going to mention. And then we just realized like, like. Maybe we can't just do The Last Jedi by itself. Maybe we have to talk about all of them. Yes. I think it's a mix of that seemed like the right way to do it, and also yes. we wanted to. Yes. I, I think it's a mix. So we wanted to uh, give you, hopefully, something that you will enjoy listening to. So we are starting, kicking off this week, with the first of four Luke Weeks. Right. So starting this week, we will be doing Luke Skywalker as he is portrayed in episode four, A New Hope, right. the Star Wars. So we will be seeing Luke's origins today. We will be discussing every single thing that he does in the film. We will discuss how it affects his character, the character traits that he portrays. And really the big thing we're going to bring into this, besides doing all four films, is we are going to try and truly just talk about what we see on screen. We're not going to talk right. about how this plays into the extended universe or how this has been changed retroactively because of new canon yeah, or the comic books or anything like that. We are going to talk about solely Luke in A New Hope and his character and who he is in this film. Interpret them, look at the scenes, try to figure out what's going on in his head, how it builds him as a character, and just... Look at the journey of Luke Skywalker from a scrawny farm boy all the way to the master Jedi that he is when we last see him. Exactly. So this week we will uh, get to enjoy Luke from A New Hope, and next week we will be back to talk about Empire with the other films following that. And we'll keep building up until we, we get them all done. <laughs> yes, we will. And then after that, when we're on episode 104 and we're trying to figure out what to talk about, we'll figure that out then. 
All right. But thank you all for voting. Uh, we hope that yes. we are going to build up to the the episode you requested, and, and it will be that much better with the entire ramp that we're building here. And it's Luke Skywalker. Come on. He's the most important character in at least the original trilogy, if maybe not the whole franchise, depending on how you want to look at it from uh, a certain point of view. Uh, far and away, probably the most that we get to see uh, developed. And so for that alone... Can't wait to talk about it. And right after this, we're going to start at the very beginning with the beginning of A New Hope. So our story begins a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And if there is a bright center to the universe, we are on the planet that is furthest from the dust ball nothing. And when you look out at the vast landscapes of Tatooine, the mm-hmm. Dune Sea, the waterless wasteland where the Jawas play, <laughs> if you listen closely... And you're there at the right time. You may just hear a Luke, 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 uh, as a worried aunt calls out <laughs> to her to, to her nephew, oh, her boy. adopted son, yeah, who isn't even there. He's messing around with his friends, playing with power converters over at Tashi Station at Anchorhead. You know what do children do? Children want to play. Especially teens. Ah, oh, teens are the worst. Cammy, Fixer, Windy, all hanging out in that stupid freaking shop, building what God knows what, flying his skyhopper, God knows where. <laughs> I heard they went through the Stone Needle in Beggar's Canyon. That's insanely dangerous. He's just killing animals. That's like what Michael Myers did as a child. What is happening? And bullseye's wall rats. Those are innocent creatures, like you monster. Six feet tall, right? Luke, we taught you better than this. <laughs> uh, so, Luke Skywalker, it is such a joy to finally be into this, and we're going right in here. So, we first see Luke, mm-hmm. right? At the sale, I mean, so we're talking here about deleted scenes, uh, Luke hanging out, you know, seeing the space well, battle from the ground. Yeah, in the original, in, yeah. in a, I shouldn't say in the original. Yeah. In a cut of Star Wars at some point during the very arduous editing process where they tuned that film into the film you know. Yes. Um, we had a lot more background of Luke because a lot of people said, well, you, you don't show your protagonist until like minute 14. How can you do that? Yeah. And George Lucas is like, because this is a new kind of movie. Which he was right. Um, yes, he was. Because uh, it is very strange. You do not see our main lead until 
a good chunk of the way in the movie. So originally, he saw the battle between the Tantive yes, and the Yes, literally Star from the ground. He's looking up with his Binox. And uh, he also, you know, we get to meet some of his friends and we get to see Biggs uh, in kind of another separate follow-up scene type of thing. So, like, we, you know, we get a lot of context for what Luke's, you know, casual life is like right but in the finished product we don't see that the first time we see him is when the jawas arrive to sell the droids that they have uh, acquired through totally legal means to the moisture farmers on the outskirts of town right Yeah, because they figured they could tell story big originally just lays out what the empire is and why he's joining it which is neat but like uh, sorry why he's joining the rebellion against it after his times in the imperial academy and it's like in again, the masterstroke of Star Wars, we're like, but we don't need to describe it. It's the evil empire. You already know that. You saw what they did with that ship. You you figure it out. Yeah, it's, you, I mean, it's just it's more efficient storytelling. It's I mean, it's showing, not telling. Correct. And that's really what those scenes are cut for. Uh, it's a lot of fun to see Biggs in his other outfit. He looks great. He looks fly as hell. Uh, giving looks, Lando a run for his say, money. He and Lando are shopping for the same fall catalog. That's yeah, what's happening. Yeah, and it's nice because, like, Lando, I mean, we don't know his origins exactly, but he's always been, like, you know, that that cool guy. But, but Biggs, man, he came from Tatooine just like Luke. You know, he, he came from nothing to rise up. And, you know, just getting a sense of style, you saying, know, in the greater universe is tough. Once he went to the Imperial Academy, he could buy some from some core world shops. Mm -hmm, you know, he gets some nicer mm -hmm, threads. Mm -hmm. But like you said, we meet our character. <laughs> I, I would argue the fun thing is we meet our character through John Williams. The, the, sure. The Skywalker, yeah. the, the sort of the undertones of what mm -hmm. we now call the Force theme and, and Binary Sunset. They start playing a little bit there, which is in many ways Luke's theme. Yes. You know, um, as... Yeah, we just see this scrawny kid in a tunic and boots kind of coming up with his uncle, and he gets yelled yeah. at from this hole. Of course he's wearing white because, you know, the, the heat of the sun. You got to stay cool. The, the two suns, wow. Two suns. Oh, you got to stay extra rough. cool. Yeah, you got to stay extra cool. Um, and you know what's fun about this outfit here, of course, is that it is obviously like a very reminiscent modern version of what a Jedi would wear, you know, in the, the billowy tunic. And, um, you know, the the sort of plainness to it, you know, it is reminiscent of the basic robes we see Obi-Wan wear here just moments later. One of the cool things about the Star Wars as it's developed was the Jedi were all supposed to be like monks, right? So they're supposed to wear very plain clothes. Right. And they built these cool robes that are sort of based on samurai because that's what all of this are, you know, a lot of this comes from, the, 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 the motifs of Jedi. So it's kind of interesting that... Going backwards, one of the great things about Star Wars is they've always shown that, well, this is what commoners wear. These body wraps are like the most common clothing in the universe. So while Jedi, we would look at like if anyone's ever built a Jedi robe set, like, you know, it is not easy, simple clothing. <laughs> no. But like we've always made it that it's that way. So, yes, if you are coming from the prequels and you see Luke for the first time, there's probably a little bit of like... Oh, oh, I could see he can become a Jedi. He's kind of got the look. Absolutely, yes. The the stripped-down version, you know, that's how I always thought of it. Yeah, he doesn't uh, have the robe, just the yeah. under-tunic. And, you know, and, well, actually, that's coming later. Never mind. Okay. Uh, so, so we, you know, we see, we go through the droid cell here, and this is where we're getting our first bit of Luke. You know, Luke takes the droids, and then he has uh, dinner with his uncle. And this is really where we get the first bit of, kind of, Luke's personality, and we're learning more about who he is and what he wants here, right? Right. Like we see him go through the droid cell. He listens 
listens to 3PO. You know, he takes 3PO's advice, letting us know right away that he's friendly with droids and he's willing mm-hmm. to listen to droids. And frankly, that is going to be one of Luke's biggest character traits throughout this film is that he is friendly with droids. He does not look at droids in a negative way compared to most of the people around him. Yeah, and I think... And like, I, it's a silly thing, but it, it comes up a lot. No, I think the first couple character traits you get is that Luke is a good kid. Mm-hmm. He he loves his parents. You know, he's listening to Baru about her instructions. He's mad about it, but he's honoring what his uncle's telling him to do to go down and clean this stuff. Yeah, his uncle calls it wasting time, right? Right. Like, Luke is just wasting time. And the way that Luke responds to that, I very much think, is like, it's not really waste... It's... Listen, I want to go to Anchorhead. Like, I don't think he has a strong defense for it actually not being just sort of wasting time. Because what Luke's trying to do, he's trying to get away from the moisture farm as much as possible. And so at least his friends and doing swoop races and doing skyhopper races and all that kind of stuff that's implied by going to Anchorhead and hanging out with his friends is him just biding time. Because we find out in the conversation at dinner what Luke's, what's really gnawing at him. He wants out of here he's already mm-hmm. told the droids that we've yeah. learned his me- speed time up uh, you know teleport me off this rock speed up the harvest you know that classic Not line unless you can yes yeah, spe- speed up the harvest or alter time <laughs> i'm never gonna get out of here i and, can't do a good luke uh well so a lot of people say that he's whiny and i get it because he's well, he's a teenager every teenager if you have to deal with them in your household long enough will be come off whiny as a trait you will attach to them because they are just old enough to know that they can go out to the bigger world and be something. Yeah. But not necessarily ready to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so the dinner scene, I think, is just mostly um, Luke just expressing the fact he's a ambitious young man who wants to do more than live here as a moisture farmer. He's just not cut out for it. And he thinks his big ticket is the the easy ticket, which is get to the Imperial Academy. He's already a pilot. He knows how to fly. And he's already established the fact he's mechanically minded. He's a gifted pilot. He can go there. Now, again, what sort of is lost in the final cut of the movie is, and he already has reasons to maybe want to go to the Rebellion, too, because Biggs will tell him, I went to the Academy and then I wanted to go to the Rebellion. And Luke's probably like, well, I'll go to the Academy and I'll meet some some diversive friends. We'll join the Communist Party and then we'll go. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is part of this initial thing of we don't actually know Luke's motivations of is he trying to join the Empire? Now, we did kind of skip over one big thing. So I want to backtrack just for one second, just because I want to make sure we hit on it. Yeah. And that is during that initial conversation, you know, after that line, uh, two things. One, there's the, I see Sir Luke. And he goes, just Luke. I just love that part. You know, it's just like, once again, reiterating well, that part, his friendliness with droids. But it's also just really a good, fun moment. I like well, it. Well, it shows how, how C-3PO is very uh, protocol driven. And also, mm-hmm. when you think of Sir as a knight, it's foreshadowing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's true. It is good foreshadowing. Uh, that's really funny. I never even thought of it oh, that way. Oh, you never way. thought about the way? No, I when didn't. I wow, that just that, kind of blew my mind. I think it's because they use his first name. Sir Luke is yeah. like Sir Lancelot. Sir. Yeah, no, that's, that's brilliant, actually. Uh, and then I love, as soon as 3PO starts talking about the rebellion how his entire disposition changes. He becomes eager. He becomes energetic. And that's why I wanted to make sure we hit on this. Well, actually, that and the next thing. But because you're talking about at dinner, you know, they're talking about the, uh, you know, am I joining the Academy? Like, he says he wants to go to the Academy, Mm -hmm. but he's so eager to learn about the Rebellion. He doesn't seem to have any hate for the Rebellion or anything like that. 
Um, he is also obviously more kind to the droids after this. And this is where he sees the message from Leia, mm-hmm. which is the other reason why I want to skip this. So, you know, his reaction is basically just, who is she? She's beautiful. That's the, that's kind of his that's first true. go-to. But what I'm wondering here, because he's obviously eager to learn more, you know, play back the entire message. You know, yeah. like like, uh, like that whole, like he's obviously very interested in what's happening. And obviously this is where he gets the name Obi-Wan for the first time too. But what I find so interesting about this is, is he being pulled to her for other reasons? You know, is he sensing something there, but not understanding that's what's happening when he's so enamored mm. by this message? Because really it's just a hologram, you know, a couple inches big of a girl asking for help. And like, you know, I keep mentioning things that are on the cutting room floor, but I think if I had just talked to my best friend who says that I'm probably maybe never going to see him again because he's going off to fight the to become a rebel against the civil government. And that's an extremely dangerous place. And hours later, right, or or whatever, I happen to stumble into a message where the world rebellion is said. I might be really, oh, I could go with Biggs and be part of the big future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. With that scene, it obviously changes some context a little bit. But either way, I mean, what we're seeing here is a character who is eager Just, for news of the world. Well, and especially, I think, the Rebellion. Like I said, I think Biggs primes the pump, but like even in the cut we have, there, there's the, oh, with the Rebellion on and everything. You guys fought in the Rebellion? Yeah. Like, he's very excited because he thinks that everything outside the atmosphere of Tatooine is at least five to seven zillion times more interesting than anything going on on Tatooine. Yes, absolutely. He is information starved in a lot of ways. That's how I would interpret that. Uh, And, you know, then Luke says to the droids, well, I don't know anyone named Obi-Wan, but I wonder if he means old Ben. And that's the last thing we hear before Luke is called to dinner. And at dinner, Luke brings up Obi-Wan. You know, do you know what he's talking about? And I love how coy Luke's being here, <laughs> just like trying to set the trap, trying to be all casual. Like, yeah, I'm just going to bring up the name of the guy who dropped me off here and you know, not expect you to really think much of it, you know. And uh, so, it, like, it's funny because Owen and Brew, they hear that name and they're, like, snapping to attention and still trying to remain casual. Luke not really knowing what he's discovered here. The tension of the scene, you know, with hindsight is that much better. Uh, now, the other thing I wanted to ask here is, you know, because there's the whole, you know, oh, I think he died about the same time as your father. Uh, does Luke, like? sense deception from his uncle here that's kind of you know in the same vein as that leia question of is he is one of the reasons he's so curious because underneath the surface he can feel something is off about the answers he's getting he may not realize it like i'm saying you know he's not like ray level of just has these powers ready to go but like well you know he's he has obvious capabilities because his flying you know, his piloting skills before he's ever had any training. It's natural. Yeah, exactly. So well, here, what do you think about that? In my opinion, when it comes to, like, the Force and, like, when's the Force moving through Luke? And when are the moments where we know as an audience that, yeah, that's confirmation of the Force? Uh, anytime you hear Luke's theme play, anytime you hear the Force theme, because I'm a big fan of... Uh, I'm not going to remember who, who to quote, but, like, famous reviewer put the fact of, like, you know, the orchestra never lies. You know, the orchestra is always telling you what to feel 
in the moment yeah. when you listen to the soundtrack. So like binary sunset, when Luke's looking across and he's feeling the pool to adventure, that's because the force is throwing, yeeting him towards adventure. Yes, yes, yes. And of course the binary sunset is come is what comes right after this conversation. So Luke and his uncle, you know, they get in a big fight. I've been thinking about our agreement. You know, I, I want to submit my application this year. And, and I love this sly teenager logic of like, I think those new droids are going to work out really well. Like, so well, you don't need me anymore. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you know, the the whole argument ensues and, and Luke gets frustrated and looks like I'm going nowhere. And that leads into the binary sunset moment. Yeah, where in a, I think it a great example of his character. He runs out of the household and he stands on the edge of the rim of the, the main pit of the home. And he looks out at the sunset because he's like, I want to run away. But there's really nowhere to go at this hour, especially with the sand people. So I'm just going to look at the sunset about, you know, four meters up from the place I just ran away from. They probably can hear me if I said something. Like, what a what an example of teenagers, right? Like, oh, I'm so mad. I'm going to run away to the end of the my street. And well, then I'll walk the cul-de-sac angrily and come back. Like, what you, know you what don't mean? know about it is Owen doesn't go out in the dark. He remembers what happened to Shmi, so he like mm, he does he doesn't go out after dark. It's like yeah. my grandpa; he doesn't drive you know, in the dark. Oh, but, same thing but, for Owen. Remember, their dining room is open air to the central like cooling you know spot. Like so, it's 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 not. Yeah. I'm not saying that to make like light <laughs> of kind of the silliness of it. I, I'm making light of that because I think that's I think that's perfectly encapsulates the, the the teenage angst of wanting to be an adult, want to rush to what you think your destiny is. But at the same time, you are a kid and you do know, you don't know why, but you do know the world out there is dangerous and the people that love you do want to protect you. Yes, maybe overprotect you, but like he runs out, he looks at the sunset and he has this, not only this longing to get out of here, you know, staring at the sunset. I mean, that is what that scene means in Star Wars. That's why we've repeated it many times. It's the character longing for the adventure. But it's also representing the fact that they are not ready for it right this second. They are not ready to leave home. They've walked to the border of home, and they are not ready to cross that threshold yet. And that's, of course, when we find out that, because you're going to do that tomorrow, because... Guess what? That droid you took the restraining bolt off. Guess what, dummy? <laughs> yeah, he's nowhere in sight. That's what. So Luke loses R2, and he can't go after him at night because of said sand people aforementioned. And so in the morning, Luke does go after R2. Now, of course, this is to save his own hind from uh, you know his uncle. But once again, showing Luke will go to work to save a droid. I'm sure there are lots of people just be like, eh, it's gone. It's gone. It's like when the wind blows something away. You know, it's just like, I'm not going to catch that. Well, I think another thing you think about tattooing life is the fact of like, well, actually, the Jawas already probably have it. Well, yeah, then they'll just bring it back to us. Yeah. Did you think all the droids you bought, you're the first owner of them? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that droid, <laughs> that droid's going to get you a lot of trouble. Oh, he excels at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. And this is what kicks off Luke's adventure. So Luke and 3PO both go after R2, and Luke sees some sand people. Now, I like another piece we get about Luke is not that Luke is lazy, but like Owen comes down to Brew, who's cooking some food, and is like, where's Luke? Oh, he left early this morning. This morning, And Owen's like, early? 
That's not like him. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fine. If he wants to go dick around with his friends in the morning, that's fine. Just he better get to those moisture evaporators today or there's going to be hell to bed. Better get those droids up to the south rim by midday. I'm, I'm pulling that off the top of my head. I think that's what I he think says. that's right. Yeah. But I love the idea that, that like Owen is like, yeah, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. He wouldn't go. They won't let me go to the academy, guys. This stinks. Um, because one thing that is, is different now that the prequels exist is like Owen wasn't always a curmudgeon. There was a part where he wanted a future too. He has almost his binary sunset scene, like with his, with his girlfriend, who's going to become his wife. Like he has ambition. The only difference is he's happy being a moisture farmer. He remembers what happens to Shmi and his weird half brother. You know, he doesn't want none of that nonsense. Luke can complain all he wants, but Owen turned a single moisturator that Kleeg had into a thriving business. He is the number one surveyor provider of water on that part of the planet. In this section, yeah. Yeah. Listen, Luke, I know it's not the most glamorous, but if you're making your millions selling ice when your neighbors are, you know, begging to be drowned, like, you're doing okay. I gotta say, yeah, you're upper middle class, but you're on a planet that's so dirt poor that that's, like, rich. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I'm saying, You got your own car and your own plane? You literally are the excavator of the most valuable resource on planet. I mean, just think about that for a second, right? He's got his own speeder. His own. It's not the family car. We saw C-3PO hiding behind that earlier. Right. It's closed. Right. Because, right. And he's got a skyhopper. And he's got a plane. That's like having a dirt bike? I don't know. What what would you say? What would be the equivalent? I guess a motor. I would say Having an airplane? Well, no, no. I'd say like a motorcycle. Just yeah. something that is for joyriding. It's not a practical vehicle, right? Yeah. It is meant for you to hot rod and play with. It is not... It's it's like owning a jet ski or something like that, right? Yeah, maybe jet ski because I feel snowmobile. like... Snowmobile. Yeah, maybe snowmobile because motorcycle really feels like a speeder bike. Yeah. Or, you know... Well, sw- no, no. I mean, that's the correct equivalent, but like... Yeah, it, it's a recreational vehicle. Yes. Let's put it that. Quads. <laughs> but the- not a actual recreational vehicle. Well, no, what I mean is... No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm just Owen would have bought it for Luke for Luke to waste time with his friends. He didn't buy it because it's a practical investment to get the water harvest to Moss Eisley. That's not what they're using to get it there, I don't think. See, they're rolling in it. Uh, yeah. They're yeah. rolling in it. I'm sure it was used. Like I said, they're, the, they're <laughs> upper middle class on a very low income planet. All right. So this is where Luke gets knocked over by some sand people. And we see Luke get into his first action. He cannot defend himself. Well, especially when he's surprised that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's staring down the the micro, macrono, uh, the electro binoculars and he's just kind of like, oh, that's weird. Uh, I think I see one now. And it's right, right in front of him. It snuck right up on him. He didn't see it at all. And he's just like, oh, crap. Yeah, he gives a valiant effort, but at the end is overtaken and knocked out. And Obi-Wan saves the day. So uh, with the call of a crate dragon, Obi-Wan comes in and wakes Luke up. And Luke, for the first time, looks up from the ground, shocked into the eyes of his future mentor. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, a huge moment in Luke's life, even though we don't know it yet. But Luke, his first thing is thinking about the droids. You know, I'm out here because well, this droid says he knows you. To your points about winter moments magical, I would say, oh, we the audience know that this is one of the most important movies in his life, even though we're just meeting this Ben guy for the first time. You know why? Because the thing he says, 
Oh, that's not the name I've heard in a in a long time. A long time. What's playing underneath of that? The Force theme. Yeah. You know, we we know the the mystical energy of like he's being drugged back to his Obi Wan days because there's a destiny mm-hmm. playing about here. And I think when Obi Wan looks back down, I'm like, well, let's get you out of the desert because it's probably time for me to train you as a Jedi. I think it's time. I may have given up on that. I don't know. Let's see the Obi Wan series that's pr- coming forward about my opinions about you and what happened while you were growing up and my observations on that. But until <laughs> then, until then, we better get three PO out of here because he's beat up. Right. So once again, Luke worrying about the droids and they go into Obi-Wan's hut. And this is where we get some of our first big dump of information for Luke. So Luke knows of the Empire. He knows of the rebellion. He knows his father died uh, at a young age. He's a navigator and a spice freighter. Yes. But that is not what Obi-Wan tells him. So, you know, they have this big conversation and Luke's kind of takeaway. Like he's obviously shocked, but his really just big takeaway is I wish I'd known him. Yeah. Like just longing to have that connection is, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's so much more internally than just wanting to know, like, what was this person like? Like, that seems like any bit of information Luke can get about his father, like as soon as he heard that Obi-Wan person could have known his father. Right. And then now he's finding out that's absolutely true. Um, you know, he's not only completely blown away by the lies he's been told so far, but he doesn't have outwardly as big a reaction as you might think, right? Like, it's it's relatively mild, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, I, the thing with Luke is I think he's excited to hear about his father and, and understand that, I think mostly because I think that person's most, mostly a character, a mystery in his life. You yeah. know, I think it's because almost everything he's probably heard about his father was probably not all the way under the bus of like, oh, he abandoned you with us, Right. But I sure it's one of those things of like, Luke, you should be glad you're with Baru and I. Your family was nuts. I mean, yeah, probably, probably. And if that is the case, then he's obviously still seeking that information out because he's still asking about it whenever he gets a chance. And again, we're playing with mythology here. So there's also the thing about if I knew who my father was, I might better understand this this destiny I'm longing for. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like. Because at some level, is Luke wanting to be a pilot because his dad was a navigator and a spice freighter? Is his dad was a spacer, so that's what I want to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that plays into it, right? And I'm sure that's why he, one of the reasons he believes he feels comfortable piloting. You know, not knowing that it's a different reason, a different connection to his father, that he's so comfortable with it, obviously. And this is where he gets his lightsaber for the first time, and where he learns about the Guardians of Peace and Justice in the galaxy. And where he learns about, you know, the history uh, that comes with his family to a certain extent, believing his father murdered by, you know, a former pupil of Obi-Wan here. And, And, you know, that alone is enough of a connection for Luke here to really be, I mean, enamored, but still, even after they watched the whole message from Leia, after R2 presents it to Obi-Wan, even then, Luke's response is, I can't get involved. And I think one of the harder things for us as an audience today is sort of understanding the context in which this movie was written. Because, like, one thing I, I, I think about is, like, after you watch the prequels... And the whole run of Clone Wars. The concept of no one hearing of Anakin Skywalker before seems very, very strange. But I think between the ISB, you know, the Imperial kind of propaganda wing, probably very much playing down all Jedi contributions to galactic history, period. Mm -hmm. 
and the fact that I feel for younger kids, they're like, well, why don't you just Google your dad? There's no Google. We don't we don't have internet in the Star Wars universe. We hadn't thought of the internet by the time in the 70s when we wrote this. So I love the fact that all of this stuff is like myth and oral history. So everything Luke's heard about his dad is through his aunt and uncle. And he's ready to completely rewrite that when this old man says, no, actually, it's a different story than that. It's way cooler. And I think that's such an interesting, almost anachronism now of like the idea of just taking people's just what they say about a person at face value. If that's the whole, whole of the person, there's nothing more to research. There's nothing more to understand. That's just, now I know he wasn't a navigator. He was a great man and a great warrior going and saving the galaxy. Cause if he would Google, he's like, Oh no, he really was, man. He's got statues all over the galaxy of people. He saved. <laughs> it says the empire has redacted those statues. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um, you just go and the heads have been cut off all of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's like standing bodies. Uh, okay. So uh, next, after Luke basically decides that I can't get involved, you know, whatever, I can take you as far as Anchorhead or Moss Eisley or wherever you're going. Yeah. In the right? mythological story, this is the denying the call. Of course. The yes. binary sunset that he was longing for. Guess what, kid? Here, Here is the rope that will have you ascend up to your destiny. Are you ready? Oh, I don't know. I got a lot of short. Seems hard. Mr. Kenobi, Ben, whatever you want me to call you. Like, here's the thing. Like, if I don't get those droids up on the South Ridge the, the by harvest. midday, the harvest. it'll be hell to pay. Yeah, you you don't want to see my uncle when he's angry. You won't yeah. like him when he's angry. No, he, he, he says mean words and then generally doesn't punish me because I'm a good kid. It's rough. <laughs> so they are presumably on their way to take Obi-Wan to a spaceport. They don't actually really clarify because the scene jumps and then they're, you know, in the speeder and they're at the Jawa murder site. Yeah, I think they were headed to Anchorhead. Yeah, from I mean, that's Anchorhead, the idea. You get to Moss Eisley or Bestine or wherever, wherever you're go. going. Yeah. And so we just happen to come upon this massacre. Yes, and this leads into the death of Owen and Beru. So very quickly, you know, the the call is being flipped on its head here. But this is where we do see one more bit of Luke's character trait, kind of for the first time, but not really, I guess, is that he leaps into danger. You know, it doesn't matter that he just Wait. put together in his head the stormtroopers could be back at his own house. Right. right. These are the Jawas who sold us the droids. Right. Which, again, I also think is pretty clever. He can identify that this is the same Sandcrawler. Like... He knows these were those Jawas and yeah. puts the pieces together. And when he figures it out, like you said, he just leaps before he looks. He yeah. Just and even o- over Obi-Wan calling out, no, Luke, wait, it's too dangerous. Right. And Luke is just rushing into that danger head on because someone he cares about is there. And that's obviously something we'll see Luke do again and again and again. And at so other points. also going like, and you also have the only canteen of water. <laughs> it's okay i'm a we'll, jedi I'll we'll do stay hybrid. here and burn the bodies <laughs> okay well uh i would assume well first off remember that's how jedi know how to take care care that's, of the that's dead that's very true that is their that's that is their funeral true. ritual and the other thing about it is like i think the burning of the body makes sense because otherwise like obi-wan doesn't know how long it'll take for luke to get back obi-wan's probably in his head of going like oh those stormtroopers are coming up on your house and like Five minutes. You will not get there in time. And um, well, you know what? You'll find out. You'll be fine. I, the force tells me you're you'll you'll make it out. But oof, woof, oofta. 
Oof, yeah. I hope you didn't have anything of value needed out of there because it's going to get all burned out. Anyway, let's burn these bodies because if Luke's not back by nightfall, I do not want wild animals smelling fresh Jawa meat and coming to find us. <laughs> you don't want that crate dragon coming out. Oh, you do not want to see him. No, no. I, I, and I've already done the roar this month. I don't want to do it again. I don't. <laughs> mm. So Luke arrives at his home said to see it burning, to see everything he's ever known on fire. The Skyhopper probably gone. His aunt and uncle burned down to the bone. Yeah, I get the idea. The fact that they are these burned corpses that look like they were just stumbling out of that stairwell coming up onto the surface level trying to escape. Um, I, I think it kind of infers the fact that all the rest of the house has just been demolished. Because, again, the Jawas were made to look like a sand, a, a sand people attack. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you'd find the same evidence of the Imperials trying to cover it up mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Of course, I don't think that sand people, who are known to have slug throwers, a.k.a. like conventional guns like we're used to, I don't think they have things set to, like, just before disintegrate, which is... Because his aunt and uncle, like... It's one of the most violent image, I think, in all of Star oh, Wars. Oh, it absolutely is. It's like, how hot were those flames? My God. And also, you... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Sorry. No, go but on, I mean, actually, ahead. you know, when you think about it, like, it wasn't until, what? It was, <laughs> I believe, it was... Was it Fallen Order? Is it that late? I think it's Fallen oh. Order. Where they designed... Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Where they designed... Um, the concept of the flame trooper. Oh, for the, the empire. Yeah, the yeah. civil, you know, yeah, war that was era. Yeah, fallen order. Uh, and it's fallen order, so I'm just like, but maybe in canon they were here, there, because it definitely looks more like a flamethrower hit than anything with a blaster. That is what it looks like. Remember that uh, that robot chicken sketch where it's the stormtroopers are just like going to visit Owen and Baru, and they're so nice, and they accidentally light the bathroom on fire and just like <laughs> just shut the door and run. That Classic. Is a good one. Yeah, that's a good, that's what comes to mind here. Either that or the domestic dispute dispute from the old fan from oh, troopers. Oh, from trooper. Yeah. So the point of the matter is, his his aunt and uncle are violently killed, violently murdered in, in by a the way Empire. that I don't know if any movie has done as well as just something of like. It's not like a oh I should go check their pulse and see if they're like no no from a good thirty yards off you know oh they're super duper hyper dead they're. Like, I don't even know. I think that after that whole episode, when Luke does that sort of, um, you know, very depressed look away from it, like he can't yeah. keep looking at it. I have a good feeling Luke doesn't get anything from that house. He just after turns around and leaves. Yeah. yeah. After settling himself, just leaves. He just knows there is nothing there for him. Yeah. And well, and anything he goes in, it, like if he wants to go and pick up anything out of his room or any see if the Skywalker, he will only find more pain. Yeah. going into that room right and well i mean you said it but that is literally his next words of there's nothing here for me now right i want to go with you and learn the ways of the force like my father destiny apparently did not like me uh rebuking it so it came with a foghorn <laughs> very much so very much so the the cosmic force acts in mysterious ways now we arrive at moss Eisley and we see luke get to see the force being used for the first time in an obvious way yes and i think what's interesting here is luke is sort of having a role shift here we saw him as the main cat antagonist or protagonist, and he's this kind of plucky young guy who wants to go live the life of adventure. And now he's already settling into I'm Obi-Wan's apprentice, his right hand man. I'm going to do everything I can to prove that I'm valuable to this guy who's, who's yeah. going to give me a yeah. future. So, like, 
man, I can't believe we got past those troops. And it's like, well, the force works works well on the stupid. It's like, oh yeah, stormtroopers stupid. You're right, Mister Obi Wan. You're wow. You're a wizard, huh? <laughs> That's really cool. When people said you were a crazy old man, I mostly agreed with them, but now I'm really regretting that. Yeah, he he does spin on a dime to fall in love with Ben, but, but that's, of that's course, a trait he, of a teenager, like, and also the trait of someone who has just been through a traumatic loss. Right, you're going to find someone to attach yourself to, and who better than the person who is the first person in your life to answer questions for you about where you could potentially have come from? I also get the idea that Luke has definitely been to Mos Eisley's for like. Um, and some of the other territories around Tatooine probably selling the moisture harvest and stuff. Yeah. But like, he doesn't, he's not very world weary at all. Like he walks in the cantina and he's like, just being like a real heavy, like just trying to be <laughs> like, yeah, I've been in rough places like this before. Blue milk, please. Anyway, uh, you know, you know, like, yeah. like ordering the chocolate milkshake at the bar kind of thing. Um, and, you know, when the droids are sent away, he's like, yeah, just go by the speeder. Because I'm not aware that that's probably not a good place to just leave property sitting in this town. But, you know, we'll be fine. We're, we're only inside. And he walks up to the bar. And like I said, I think orders a chocolate milk. I assume that in a different universe, it plays out like Back to the Future and just slides down the bar and he grabs it. But to get his way into the bar to order his probably non-alcoholic beverage, beverage he bumps into a guy. Just bumps into him and then apologizes and i think the apology makes this person even more mad I'm yeah like, and like, it's oh like, you're just some little person i can just walk all over i mean when you really watch it it doesn't even look like he touches him like it's very very it's funny it's just the slide into the yeah. bar he's just trying to get through two people to get to the bar yeah and that's where he at any level gains the notice of dr isvan and this is where we see not only Luke have his first brush with the uh, rough and tumble crowd of Moss Eisley, where uh, Dr. Evazan and Panda Baba are, uh, you know, actively threatening him. But mm -hmm. we see Obi-Wan step in and take an arm off. And this is Luke's first chance to see the uh, violence of a Jedi. And that there's a lightsaber setting that's called the Bleeder, where it cuts them off but doesn't cauterize the wound. The one species, uh, I guess besides Wampa, that uh, bleeds. Yeah, the, the blood doesn't cauterize. I assume he's just got really heavy blood flow. Uh, like maybe he's got like six hearts and it's just pumping through. It, it could be. It could be that. Uh, it could be a 1970s idea of what they want to do with Star Wars, and then it changed over time. But yeah, discounting that. Maybe if they ever go back and make edits to them, they can adjust that. You know, someone should go Photoshop the blood out of it, and then just put like a nice, like glowing orangey edge that like fades as that shot goes on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say that because now I've just willed that into the universe if it doesn't already exist. I mean Well, we don't we don't need to we don't need to linger the on point this. It's not that, part of Luke's story. Here's but the point is yeah. when he grabs his his stump, I think we knew his arm was gone. We didn't need to see it. But I think the other thing about this is Obi Wan is excited to you know, get get back into the world and do his adventuring. This is not his first time hurting people in a bar. <laughs> um uh but I think the other thing about it is, like, Luke's put sort of back into his place. You are not ready for this kid. Stay in my shadow. Not Don't try to be your own guy, because I love Obi-Wan's reference to him, which Luke has to go, that's not true, is this little one isn't worth your time. <laughs> and I can't imagine a 19-year-old kid who's, like, thinking he's going to become a Jedi Knight. He's going, like, little one? <laughs> uh, that's a really, really funny and fair point. Um, I... 
I didn't even think about that moment of just like, you know, yeah, well, how I is Luke it, interacting with that moment? Well, I think it cranks it to 11 because for the record, Obi-Wan moves. This kid goes up to the, he makes sure the droids leave. Then he goes and gets his blue mil- milk. And by that time, Obi-Wan's already found a Chewbacca, talked to him and negotiated a meeting to discuss terms. Yes. And He's, Luke sits down with them and is immediately mad because they could almost buy their own ship for that. And the, But I think that, like I said, that little one, I think there's this, this giant ship in Luke's shoulder where he is trying to prove himself to Obi-Wan. He's like, nah, I'm not a bad pilot myself. I can fly it. Come on. We just go get our own ship, Obi-Wan. We don't need these adults with skills. Okay? I mean, I've flown a T-16. T- T- I mean, that's basically flying an X-Wing, <laughs> which is basically flying a freighter. They're the same thing, probably. Exactly. I've never been off this planet, and well, except when I was a baby, but I don't remember that. But I'm probably able to fly everywhere. <laughs> like I, his eagerness, I think, is fantastic because it's what makes him so relatable. Is yeah. just the fact of yeah, he's a very real person here. Who hasn't been at their first like job interview and maybe overextended themselves a little bit, right? Going like. Oh, well, uh, you know, hey, uh, we work with computers. You use computers? I love computers. Well, that, that's great, kid. D- do you know how to use Word? Word, Excel, Power, I can do all of them. Good. That's something we're looking for. Good for you. Like, you know, <laughs> there's just like, I'm not such a bad pilot myself. I'm like, Luke, you've never flown anything other than atmospheric ships. You probably do not know actually how to fly a spaceship. You could probably figure it out. I'm not, in Star Wars, they're not too different, but like, you are not Han Solo, but that's okay because Han Solo isn't Han Solo. <laughs> I'm the ship that, that made the Kessel yeah. run another twelve parse- parsecs. I mean, the the nice lady robot most did most of the work, but I flew it. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon, so they make their way to the ship after Han has an interaction with Greedo and then Jabba. And they make their way into the hangar and they see the Falcon for the first time. And and Luke thinks back to Anchorhead where they would all pour over the hollow magazines of the new ships. And he remembers seeing the ad for the YT-1300, this beautiful, sleek, wonderful ship with this beautiful, white, clean panel lines. The one we see in Solo to make this line sell so well to me of what a piece of junk. <laughs> And they get on the ship after Luke just insults the owner uh, of his vehicle, of this vehicle. And uh, they get on the ship and they're taking off of, you know, from Moss Eisley. They escape without the Empire being able to follow them. And we interact with them in hyperspace. Luke experiencing his first bit of Jedi training. And I will say the whole time we're seeing him lightly rival or antagonistic with Han Solo I think the reason for there is like Hansel is a much more capable, more mature person than Luke. And so there's this, this, I think this feedback loop inside, inside Luke's head of, I need to prove myself that Obi-Wan should be keeping me on the adventure. He's already hired two more people for our group. I need to make sure that I'm at least as capable, if not more capable than these two. So he keeps me around because there's that chip in, you know, teenagers anyone trying to prove themselves there's always that chip in your shoulder of just trying to prove yourself yeah and this is where luke really digs in because he's he's you know he's trying to fight the remote he's having a hard time he's getting frustrated that he you know i I, i'm not sensing the force ben i'm supposed to but i can't (laughs) it's like well trust your feelings put the blast shield down your eyes can deceive you don't trust them 
And of course, that is something now we're not going to talk a lot about, you know, where things are going, but that is something that will come back later in Luke's future. So we'll talk about this a little bit more then. And this scene cascades back because we see him block these magic three bolts that like you should not like I love the choreography of that. Like you would not be able to do that blind. Right. There's no way the weird movements he has to make to get all three blocked is just too much. And so it proves that, yeah, he could see the remote. He could feel it. And then I love when Han goes, Hokey religions are no use, but kid, you want to blast her by your side. You know, he's, do you have the quote? I was going to say, it's, oh, Hokey no, Reli- I, okay, Hokey religions. I religion, only wrote down Luca quotes. That's okay. Hokey religions, uh, I'm sorry, tricks and Hokey religions are no use for a blaster by your kid, right? We get the practic- no substitute for a good blaster. Yeah, we get the practicality of Han, and you can see Luke's. I, in my opinion, sees the opening. Oh, well, Obi Wan, I believe in all this mystic mumbo jumbo for sure's for reals. I mean, I heard about it yesterday, so of course I can believe in it. <laughs> you know, like yeah, like yeah, he really digs in on like yeah, no, that's that's why Jedi's are different. That's why we're tight, and you're just kind of a higher guy for higher guy. I'm just saying, pirate pirate man yeah you know i mean there is that obvious like youth energy angstiness but i never really thought of it as a rivalry or anything like that it's a lot of fun i should take this i'll just take this as a hot take this is maybe my favorite luke and the reason i like it is because he's incredibly relatable everything from here on out is going to get less relatable as he gets forged into the person that he is and he becomes more mystic and more abstract and harder to relate to because you can't go to vocational school for Jedi and know what that's like. So, I mean, to be fair, I get that because up until the last Jedi, this was also my favorite Luke. I mean, it's my favorite star Wars movie. So Uh, I I I get that. I, I like this very primordial person who's so desperate to try and figure out who he is. Um, and I think George Lucas is running from his own, own heart here of when he was hot rodding and always spending time with his friends (laughs) building cars. Right. Uh, and wanting the la- fast life and stuff. And in the end, what's he end up being? This very meditative, sl- soft-spoken filmmaker. So, you know, that's kind of Luke's journey in many respects. Um, yeah, that's very, very fair. He starts off as a, you know, naive child who slowly gets pulled into bigger worlds. And that's the same thing. And so in our next big sequence, you know, we find out that Alderaan's been destroyed. They can't deliver the message. They're rewriting their plan as it happens. Mm -hmm. They get caught by the tractor beam. The pirate turns out to be actually, in fact, a pirate because he's got these smuggling holds they're going to hide into. And this is where we get the very first, I've got a very bad feeling about this, from Luke directly. Which we all know is... Every single time those words are uttered, they are mystical. They are not just... Funny feelings or butterflies. They are always the force working. Even when BB-8 says it on the comms in, like, (laughs) The Last Jedi, it is always, no, actually, it is bad. This is actually bad. (laughs) Foreshadowing. So then, um, obviously, after they're able to sneak into the Death Star, um, you know, Luke wants to go with Obi-Wan to shut down the reactor. But Obi-Wan says, you're on a different path now. Yeah, and, and to be honest... It'll be easier for me to be stealthy without you, kid. No offense. And so he goes off. And then I like the energy of Luke is, in the narrative I'm writing, Yeah, this is where Luke is back to himself. And so he desperately needs to find something to prove he's a valuable person. He is just as kind of like 
annoyed with the idea of being left behind. Yeah. As anyone else in the room might be. Because, like, Han... Han's fine staying here because every other option is more dangerous, but Han just wants to get out of here. He's like, this is a bad, this is a bad deck of hands. You're not paying me enough for this for sure. Uh, I just want to get, get out of here with our hides. And Luke's like, well, maybe we can poke around. And then, then C-3PO's like, he's just screaming that she's here. She's here. Who's here? And then he's like, the princess. Great. An adventure for me. All right. I'm going to go prove myself. Self. But Ah. they're going to execute her. Uh, and also before this, I just also want to point out to your earlier point, there's the moment of Ben is a great man. Once again, you just met him, but sure. Well, and it's be- <laughs> well, and it's because that's the guy I'm I, I'm mentored being mentored by. Like, like I said, I think he says that without compunction because he needs to believe Ben's this great man for his destiny to feel like it's going the right way. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and then we see Luke. Luke having some time, to be honest, this is where we get to see Luke as himself. This is the Luke that we're going to get to know. This is the adventurer. Because at this point, he's making up as he goes. He's improvising, and he's figuring Mm -hmm. out what he's going to do. But he has this conviction of, if the princess is here, we've got to save her. If it wasn't for her and the message, I would not be on my destiny. And for all of this to make sense, we got to go save her. And And luckily for both of them, she's rich, so Han will do it. And my favorite bit about this is this shows Luke has a little bit of cunning to him. Yeah, that bit of gumption that like that, yeah. the way Mark Hamill delivers the line of like, like, oh come on, they're gonna execute her. It's better her than me. Oh, come on, Luke, you gotta think of something. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know what motivates this guy. She's rich. <laughs> She's literally the one who has your other fifteen thousand. So <laughs> So to be honest with you. We, we probably can't pay you unless we save her. But if you do pay, pay her, or it's going to be more, more, more money than you can imagine. I don't know, kid. I can imagine quite a lot. Well, you can imagine seventeen thousand. Can you imagine twenty-seven thousand? Hey, kid. What if you said I had a um, an outstanding debt with a person, a, a, a gang lord? Would she have that amount of money? You know, plus uh, extra for you know services and. And shipping handling. Well, uh, I don't know if the currency on Alderaan was digital and uh, off-planet, so maybe? All right, kid, what's your plan? Uh, I see binders in my immediate vision. I think if we put those on the Wookiee, we could prisoner transfer, Shrugger? <laughs> so they end up in a cell block after a fun elevator ride and a walk through the Death Star. They end up in a cell block, and Luke's big heroic moment after the wheels have fallen off the Mirage, and... It's a miracle that everyone knows are here with your blasting and his shouting. <laughs> Luke runs down to uh, her cell block, opens it up, and, of course, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Which I also want to say, stormtroopers can come in all shapes and sizes, baby. Especially Don't now. Don't discriminate. Wait, wait. Especially now. And then the <laughs> other part of me is like, no, Luke's in the ballpark of like six feet when he's in. He doesn't look particularly short in the armor. That's, no, no, he that's doesn't. Why, that's why I'm just assuming that that like Leia was going to say that to whoever. She had an insult primed for whoever walked through the door. <laughs> in another universe, her nickname might be Snips. I like that. Oh, that's very, very funny. Okay. So then we find out that uh, Leia is arguably 
more she's already an adventurous she already is more competent than probably these two buffoons <laughs> oh yeah she is certainly going to lead them here through the last little bit of their death star escape so and she's also the only one who knows that they were led to escape and, and ironically but, during the action beats luke's character doesn't grow that much so let's just sort of talk about what we see here is yeah. luke is up to the challenge of dealing with the punches as they go of trying his best to contribute as much as possible uh, you know, he's trying to figure out, like, is there a way we can move all this stuff around? He's been sucked down by the Dagana. He comes back up. He's, like, gasping for air. air, And he's like, okay, I almost died. But you know what? I didn't die. And, like, <laughs> and I don't want to die again. Shut down all the garbage trashes on the detention level. And he does. He has the clever thought of getting the droids to do it, which is great. Once again, friendship with the droids paying off. Luke um, loves droids. And then he ends up running around with a princess, and he's back into his mode of trying to impress someone. Because with Han, they have a brotherly relationship by the time they get to the trash compactor of, we are rivals, I'm trying to prove myself to you, but you are liking my pluck, old pirate man. Because everyone's old <laughs> to a teenager. Uh, and Han is starting to like, well, hey, this kid's got guts, so I at least like that about him. Like, you know, he's what... He's a good kid in a firefight. You know, when that all went totally sideways, he didn't run. He helped me out. So, like, kid's okay. Kid's okay. Yeah, And you can see that relationship developing here between all of them. You know, they're all getting their own little rapport with each other. They're getting their own little interactions. And they each have their moment to kind of shine, leading into the big chase throughout the Death Star where they get separated. And Luke has his sort of big hero moment of swinging over the matte painting chasm. Right. It's great. I mean, it's a great scene. You know, being trapped on a walkway with a bridge that is not extended, people coming up behind you and ahead of you, right? You're completely surrounded. And how do you get across? Well, with a big heroic swing. Right. And I, I again... And as a kid, you love to see it. My through line I love is just... And Luke's always trying to prove himself. So, like, he gets through. through they, he's like, I'll blast the door. See, princess, I'm competent. Okay, we'll extend the bridge. I think those are the controls I just blasted. Sorry, miss. Oh, no. Um, I got an idea. <laughs> Luckily, he has the Stormtrooper utility belt still on. Absolutely love that costume design. Uh, and basically, with a grappling hook Batman style, they are able, after getting a confidence kick on the cheek, they are able to swing across the chasm, surviving and escaping the stormtroopers, making their way back to the hangar for Luke to have his biggest character moment yet, seeing the death of Obi-Wan. Right, because once the trio is back together, uh, we are getting back onto the ship, and as Luke's making his way across shooting, he sees Obi-Wan. Now, Obi-Wan is like, oh, the kid's here. Man, if he sees me die, this is the catalyst that will make him into the person he needs to be. This is the will of the Force. Lightsaber up. <laughs> and he lets himself be destroyed. And Luke goes, what? You're the guy. You're my whole, you're my only plan right now. <laughs> you're the only thing I have. And just loses it. Mm -hmm. And then just stands there shooting at the stormtrooper, shooting at Vader, not moving, no regard for his own safety. But eventually hears Obi-Wan call out to him, right? Mm -hmm. Run, Luke, run. And he makes his way onto the ship after he hears Obi-Wan and he hears Leia calling for him. And... As they make their way into skip space, as they're allowed to escape, we see Luke being quite depressed. And I think it's like I said, it's because his entire like second wind of his life, right? He's going to go to the Academy. That didn't happen. He's going to become a Jedi. That's right. not going to happen now. 
So he thinks. Well, he's just, he's so depressed. And Leia, who's like, yeah, it must be hard for you. I saw my entire people die. Like, everything about their culture, their entire planet. But you know what? I'm still so awesome. I'll be your den mother. I'll pat you on the back and say, there, there. And this comes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier of, is she feeling something through the Force here as well? Is she feeling a connection or a kinship with this person, uh, you know, on a level deeper than just her being a compassionate, nice person? And I will put one aside. We often say that joke I just made about, like, the fact of, like, oh, you lost this guy you met yesterday. I lost my whole planet. We don't probably see the probably completely long amount of time where she's just sitting in her cell, probably weeping about the death of all of her. She's probably compartmentalized and digested that already. Yeah, and she's a, out of the three of them, she is the only true natural leader. She is the one who is putting aside her own personal feelings for the greater good in this moment. And vastly the most mature out of the three. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And the youngest of the three. So So, we see Luke... um, be competent again because he helps uh, repel the TIE fighters that are chasing Yes, them. he does take down two TIEs. And, uh, you know, it does get some endorphins rushing into him. He's got some excitement. He's smiling. And, he's laughing. And I think it cements into the fact that relationship we're talking with Han where, yes, Luke is got guts and zest and Han appreciates that. At the same time, Han's like, great kid. Now keep firing. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's that whole thing of like, Han is also, to be honest, very impressed with how he's doing. Because, uh, um, you know, Han is a lot of bravado. He, he is a competent person. But like, you know, him and Luke are going like toe for toe for the high score here. Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and I think at this point we've cemented these guys are friends. Yeah, these guys bro- yeah. have yeah. the big brother, older the older brother, younger brother kind of relationship sort of cemented. Yeah, and it's great to have these moments here. Like you say, you know, they're both trying to win the teddy bear at the carnival for the pretty girl. Like, right. you know, they're both they're both having this moment of where, you know, it starts off as obviously they're defending themselves or trying to fight for their lives, but it turns into a really just naturally endearing moment for these characters. And then they arrive on Yavin. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they land, you know, Leia gets taken off into the briefing room with the plans. Luke, he doesn't have any lines here, but he just wanders off into the background to look at a Y-Wing. I never really noticed that before, but I noticed it on this viewing. So they all get off, and he just, like, casually, like, he just steps out of frame. But he's just like, oh, look at all these things around here. He's just going to look at but a doesn't Y-Wing. That seem, doesn't that seem like Luke? Yes. Oh, what are these? Oh, you took the cowling plates off. I guess it would probably cut down on, on the aerodynamics. <laughs> like... You can tell he just grabs whatever text near is like, so what are these? Are these like type four hyper converters or? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's so in character. It's such a great little bit of storytelling that I just have not really noticed before. Right. Uh, And I loved it. We see Luke is basically like, okay, I'm with the rebellion now. This is my job. This is my destiny. You know, I'm a hell of a pilot. I used to bullseye womp rats on my T-16. And okay, so we're going to use a little bit from our favorite book of all time. Certain point of view. When Luke wanders off there, one of the things that we do know is going to happen is he does get himself set up and meets and greets with the pilots enough that with Leia's recommendation gets to test out for flight combat. 
like he wants to help out so he goes and sees like hey i know these kinds of ships i can definitely fly a t-65 i've flown the t-16 those are the trainers for the t-65s and gets himself set up meanwhile leia is getting back to the rebellion what intel do we have oh you know i knew scarif went bad but i didn't really we lost those many ships but well we have the plans we did get them here finally i'm sure there's something we can exploit while han's going like yeah so uh let's see um and then, of course, we've got the tax and the service fee for uh, scoring on my ship from the TIE Fighter fight. That's going to be at least 2000 a pop. And then we've got, like, he's going through the itemized list while I'm assuming Chewie is doing real work fixing the Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Luke here to Han, this is where they have their sort of little tense moment, uh, is, you know, so you got your reward and you're just leaving then? Yeah. Right? Yeah, what good's a reward if you're not around to spend it? Well, I thought you were going to join something. Kid... What about anything? You remember when you told me she's rich? That's my core motivation, Luke. Yes. I mean, I, I like you. You know what? Heck, you you are a pretty good kid. You know, you should come with us. I can make a lot more money with you. I mean, you could make a lot of money with... Listen, it's going to be 70-30, okay? But you can come with us. Han, <laughs> always turning his back on people and always trying to convince young Jedi to come into his service for low rates. Well, the thing about it Classic. is like... Yeah, and, and you know, Han Han gets it. When Han says he's not, like Han's like, I totally understand it. Wise man once told me, once you choose this life, that's <laughs> that's your life forever. So I understand it's a commitment. Well, may the force be with you. I don't know. If I heard someone say it. I'm assuming that's what you want to hear. Yeah, Luke is mad. He's huffing and puffing. But they do have their tender goodbye. And as far as we know, that's going to be the end of Han for uh, for the foreseeable future. But right after this, Luke meets another old friend. And maybe Biggs. that is, you know, who will be the Han for the rest of this movie. Biggs, who we can tell right away that Luke has a kinship with, even though we've never actually you know, met Biggs before, technically, um, you know, they have a relationship and that's what they're establishing here to give Luke, um, you know, an emotional through line later in the movie. Right. And I think it's, um, and it also, I think is the big scene also helps us sell the idea of like, he gets someone to vouch for him. That's why he gets to be part of this, this squad. That's why this kid who just showed up out of nowhere is part of red squad. Yeah. Um, and we see the briefing that Luke, Luke's competent. Luke has actually got some confidence that he didn't have before. After escaping the Death Star, he's like, maybe I am my own man. Maybe I can do stuff. Because he's like, oh, come on. It's not that bad. You can bullseye womp rats. We can do this. Yeah, sure, he's just it's being hard. overly optimistic about the impending annihilation event about to happen here. <laughs> Which is fresh-eyed you know, fresh optimism as well. But it, it also comes from the fact of like, no, I've done stuff that, that in craft just like this. Guys, it's going to be hard, but we can absolutely do this. The the data is on our side. If we can get to the end of that tunnel, we can do this. Oh, absolutely. And Luke takes that optimism with him into the fight. You know, they're offering him a new astromech, and this is more droid love for him. You know, not on your life. That little you and I have been through a lot together. Hmm. You know, once again establishing a relationship with what to a lot of people in the Star Wars universe is an object. Right. Right. And that is something that obviously endears you to Luke's character. Now we start getting into the Death Star scene. And so, I mean, really 
we just kind of have to talk about this as a scene because yeah. Luke goes through a lot here. Obviously, there are times he almost dies. There are times he saves his friends from dying. There are times he's, you know, very, very close to crashing into a wall while he's on the trench I, run. You know, there's so much happening here. But really what it is, is this is Luke showing his competence. Yeah, I would break it down to there's like five major movements. At the very beginning, he is one of the pilots. He settled himself into the squad. He is red five. Red, you know, mm -hmm. he's the lower man on the totem pole, but he is a team player. He is ready to help out. Then we see him, you know, like uh, getting uh, some of the TIE fighters off of his squad mates, you know, saving big, say, save, saving Wedge, like setting up the fact that, oh, he's a competent member. Already some of the vets who are here, like Wedge and Porkins and Biggs, they're all like, oh, the kid does have what it takes. He is a valuable member of our team. Look how well he's helping us out actually making this happen. Yeah. And then after Gold Leader dies... And they decide, okay, we're going to make our own, we need to make our own run. Red Squad, you're going to have to go. And like Red Leader goes and Red Leader gets blasted. And then it's like, Luke's like, who's left? Guys, I'll do this. Let's go. You with me? <laughs> and it's like, uh, sure, new guy. Why not? Let's go with you. You. All right. But we're going to go full throttle because we are going to do this like a bat of hell. We're going to do Beggar's Canyon. We're going to go as fast as possible. We're going to be incredibly reckless, but that will make sure that they can't target us. Like a bat out of hell, I'll be gone <laughs> when the morning comes. But that is like the third movement where we have swung the door that this kid isn't just competent. He's a leader. He is ready to take what he's already seen from the two... Yeah. two failures on the trench run see what happened make a different call and go for it and then i think the the next movement is the fact that uh biggs gets shot out of the sky this becomes mm -hmm. personal r2 gets shot he yeah. is getting used to the fact of like i have all this bristling confidence i know i can do this but like i am having doubt because the people around me are all dying. People are all around me dying. And it is up to me to survive. Wedge has to get out of here. His sh stabilizer has been broken. I am the only one that can save the rebellion. This is a lot of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as Luke closes in on his target, he has one more ethical dilemma to deal with because he's using his technology. He's, you know, using his sensor to kind of get an eye on the target as it's coming up, his targeting computer. And he hears a voice in his head telling him to trust his instincts, to turn off his technology. And the other half, you know, the other thing about this scene I would also also mention is not just the force, right? It's like Obi-Wan saying, trust your feelings. You can do this. You don't need the computer. And I feel the reason also that that sells well, even when he's, you know, in his own head doubting this is, well, Red Leader used the targeting computer. It should have went in, but it didn't. So the computer might not have the sophistication to make that shot. It might be bullseyes and womp rats. It might just take guts and feelings. Not to mention, I may have a disembodied voice in my head that either is my subconscious or actually Obi-Wan talking from the dead. Science tells me it's probably the former. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to trust my gut. I'm going to trust my feelings. I'm going to trust yeah. that I can make the shot yeah. better than the computer. And this is the one time in the movie, besides, you could argue, I guess, the training probe, that it is made abundantly clear that Luke is sensing the Force, that he is using the Force to accomplish something that may not be possible outside of a Force user. And, of course, Luke also has the added benefit of support from his friends here, with Han coming back to save the day and giving him the chance to take this shot. 
not. Basically, Luke puts him, the force puts Luke into the place he needs to be to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. And so not only do we see Luke put his faith in the force, which is really, it's not like he's been denying it. It's not like he's been apprehensive of using the force. So it's not really a completion of a character arc here, him accepting the force, but it shows how far he's come from where he was at the start of his journey. My argument is when he launches the shot and he lets his breath go is when Luke Skywalker has arrived. Luke Skywalker is now his own person. He has his own accomplishments. He doesn't need someone to define his destiny. He has just defined his own. Absolutely. I mean, this starts off the legend of Luke Skywalker as well. This is where that character, I mean, you know, the the escape on the Death Star is never talked about again. It's not a, you know, we don't hear that story being told through the halls of the New Republic. You know, that is a private moment for those people. The Death Star and the saving of Yavin is where Luke Skywalker to the greater universe is born. And that's how, and the only way we really know that other than just, you know, extra materials but in the next movie he's already a commander so obviously (laughs) not starting out at recruit he uh gets to skip a few ranks because he's the guy that blew up the death star (laughs) um and to be honest yeah it's an obvious promotion like han solo said they blew that thing and went home so they they got back to yavin uh which actually now i'm just thinking about actually how good of a line that is let's blow this thing and go home kid Implying that Han Solo is ready to join the rebellion. He thinks it's oh, yeah. his home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so And it's so definitely great. Luke's home. Luke's destiny now is the rebellion. And we <laughs> cement that in as our three core characters get to meet again on this plinth of recognition and celebration. It's such a great moment. It's so... I As a kid, I loved Luke's outfit here. It is still maybe my favorite of all of Luke's outfits. I love this tight yellow jacket. Uh, you know, I love I love the, the whole thing. Jacket. I love everything about it. I love the metal ceremony. I love the music. I love the room that it's in. I love, you know, Leia's look here. I just love everything about it. It's a great emotional moment topped off by the uh, relief of R2 being pristine and put back together. Yeah. And Luke obviously seeing the happiness that that brings Luke. And, uh, you know, once again, putting that final nail in the coffin of how much he really likes droids here in this first film. Right. And how that is his biggest character And to be honest, trait. now I think about it, you know that nice jacket he got, right? Yeah. This is his core world glow up. Just like uh just, just like, like Biggs. Biggs. Just He's like, like Biggs. Like, wait, there's clothes other than tunics? Yeah. <laughs> is this a is this a black t shirt? Y- y- yeah. Won't I get hot? Yeah, they don't sell these on Tatooine. And this jacket, it's really nice, but like it's probably too heavy. Well, I mean, you know, it helps you with the cold. The what? <laughs> space is cold luke oh oh <laughs> um and that's and it's this is where we leave luke luke is a hero of the rebellion he has become his own person and yes. it's absolutely lovely it is it is obviously i mean it's the start of a legend this is where luke I, begins i'm always a sucker for origin stories yes. so like i said this is probably still this is probably my favorite version of luke because he just has so much dynamicism to him he gets to grow so much in such a short period of time yeah and I, obviously there's the relatable factor too right that's something that 
we get here because that is what endears him to us going forward because as he grows and changes we get to grow and change with him and follow him through these first three movies so luke we really get to uh, appreciate talking about you here for the first time and now it is time for us to blow this thing and go to our home all right Here we are, coming in for the landing, here at home, the end of our first of the Luke extravaganza. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Death Star has been destroyed. We've got our medals. They are not chocolate wrapped up. Do not try and eat them. It will not go well. Uh, but here we are. We're celebrating and we're evacuating. We got to get out of here. Oh, my gosh. You know what? We said at the top that like we had a lot of notes. We did. <laughs> we, you and I were just talking about like. We're going to have to add some recording days. These are already longer. <laughs> I've already got some edits I need to do. Like, it's going to... I hope you enjoy Luke Skywalker. We're going to be talking about him for a while. Yes, <laughs> we are going to have so much fun. There is so much to say about Luke. Uh, I know we are both very excited about the future with Luke uh, and looking forward because just like this episode has proved, we have a lot to say. Oh, yeah. We have been holding off on Luke for so long, and it feels so refreshing to be dipping our feet in that water. I agree. Yeah, so it's been an absolute blast. What What's going on in the galaxy? Let's do our little like wrap-up. Uh, yeah, let's see. Bad Batch is coming out. The Bad sec- Batch, another new episode of Bad Batch. Uh, let's see. We've, We're coming down to the end. You st- uh, I'm still enjoying it. I'm still having fun. Still loving some Rhea Perlman. I, the sad thing about the Bad Batch is only for me, I'm like, I'm getting nervous because we're getting to the end of the season. I'm like, well, cliffhanger, are you going to leave me on for like a year? What do you... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was much more excited about being a one and done. And now that like Marvel's doing the same thing with like Loki turned out to not be a one and done like the previous two shows. I'm like, I love this. But man, do I hate waiting for a season two. I think the binge culture of like yeah. watching old shows and you just watch them their whole run has spoiled me completely. That like, See, at least the benefit of The Bad Batch doing it that way is because the show runs over like half a year because of the amount of episodes. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as long of a wait as it is for like Mando. Like, and yeah. like, you know, at least it has that going for it. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, it's going to be rough when it ends. I've really been enjoying it. Um, I have not gone in and watched, um, some of the other, uh, newer, like Star Wars stuff going on. So like there is the, um, there's been like some of the High Republic stuff on, you know, the Star Wars YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, I have not been keeping up with some of that other stuff, but the Bad Batch, obviously. Yeah. All up to date. I think, um, I think we should challenge ourselves Mm -hmm. in the time between Bad Batch and like Mando. Yeah. When we don't have visceral star wars content you and i should try and finish watching resistance <laughs> yeah yeah i can watch resistance now that i have it easily accessible on disney plus right, i can make right, my right, right. i really like that gay chicken <laughs> i really like that character a I, lot I, Jim I like, rash is so fun i i i realize that like i like in the broad strokes the characters and 
again, I like this switch to more of like this racing culture and stuff that yes, there is the resistance in the first order, yeah. but the fighting's a little bit to the side. It's a little less war, a little more star. Yeah. Uh, and I like that, but I think that the, the absolute truth was it, it's not the demo for us. It's like when well, I watch, I yeah. love Tron Uprising, <laughs> but I also realize I'm like, this isn't really the Tron story I want, but it's a great, it's great, it's great. Look, the kids, the kids are fighting fighting for the future. Good for them. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I mean, I hear that, how should I put this? I hear season two gets a lot better. Well, I think it gets a lot so, more ingrained in the yeah. So the I, I am cursor. You get a little more about the first. I'm order certainly going to get to it. I'm going to start over from the beginning. Heck, maybe I'll go watch an episode after this, Mac. Maybe I'll saying, go throw on some. Rebels. I think we owe it to us this fall to get that under our belts so that we can. I think maybe as we go on, we should do some resistant topics because again, it is an important cornerstone of the current world of Star Wars. We can absolutely do some resistance topics. We'll make it happen. All right. So I think we'll we'll do that and then getting excited yeah. for all the merch that's coming by the end uh, of the year. We talked about Black Series Rancor last week. Still no new information, but very excited. Looking forward to that. Uh, phase three of, or part three of phase one of the High Republic stuff has been announced for January 2022. Um, so that means by the time we get to celebration in May, maybe we'll be hearing about phase two of the High Republic stuff. So that's very exciting. I got a more um, specific date about when my Darksaber Black Series is coming. Oh, when is that? Uh, I believe it's, I think it's October now. Mm. But they actually gave it a date rather than, we'll be coming in. 2021. <laughs> hey, did you see the uh, $4,000 Salacious Crumb uh, statue? Like, Only real, like, life-size? you sent it to me. Uh, did I? I couldn't it, remember. Okay. You sent it to me and our mutual friend, uh, Crispy, who's been on here. Oh, uh, like, yeah. And it's like, we know he's a huge fan, but I don't think any of us can justify having it in our house, but it's amazing. Well, they offer flexible play payments, of course, but uh, yeah, it's, it's this great Salacious uh, life-size, you know, full-on, like, the most realistic. If you want Salacious sitting in your corner, this is the way to do it. It's uh, is it wild. Gentle Giant or Regal Robot? I can't remember. I think it was Regal Robot. Robot. I think yeah. it was Regal Robot. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, check that out if you're interested. Um, anything? They announced some new some new Black Series figures. Oh, you know what is fun? They announced this week um, four vintage collection Clone Wars figures. Not oh. the Clone Wars. Clone Wars. So the like, Tartakovsky series. Okay. So they have they're on the 50th anniversary Lucasfilm card backs, okay. and the artwork is from Clone Wars. But then the figures are, you know, not stylized. So, so they're not bringing way. out a dirge or something like that. <laughs> they are Ayla Secura, Barris Offrey, um, a couple of clones, I think. Okay. I feel like I'm forgetting one, but yeah, um, you Mace, know, uh, no, they are doing a Mace, a Grievous, and. One other in the Black series, but they have not actually shown pictures of them yet, just that oh, they're okay. coming. Um, so they are. So there are going to be some more. But uh, that's pretty exciting. Some new three new carbonized figures uh, mm -hmm. from Mando, a Shore Trooper, a uh, uh, Paz Vizsla, and one other one. Boy, I'm forgetting one of each tonight. I'm having okay. a rough day. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, come in some cool black boxes. I will be passing on those because... I can't justify that. Oh, a, a Scout Trooper is the other one. Scout Trooper is the other one. Um, so, yeah, pretty good week for the Black Series. Pretty good week for Star Wars merch. And you were telling me that uh, they've sort of tipped the hand of, like, you said in January, Phase 2 of High Republic starts, right? 
No, the the last right. bit of phase one is January. In January. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get to the, I guess, story arc? Does that feel like the right way to put it? Like, that's what the phases are going to feel like, is like, we're going to have some... Act one, act two, act three. That's a good way to put I, it. I assume I am still not finished with Into the Dark or the Rising Storm or Race to Crash Point Tower, so I am behind. That's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm further behind than you. Fair. Uh, and I haven't even touched the comics because I haven't gotten my trade yet. That's but, the closest I'm to. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. I'm still enjoying the High Republic. Don't want to make it seem like I'm not. No. Just have very fallen far behind on Star Wars you books. You eat a lot of books, and you've been working on through a lot of books. So yeah. I understand that, like... Yeah, it has not they're been... They're in a, the stack. They're, get to they're getting there. They're getting there. I, I just have fallen behind, and I Having need to catch up. Having a kitten will do that. Having a kitten. Having a new kitten will do that. That's true. We do have a new kitten. But I'm um, just saying that, again, the galaxy is always in motion, and things are always moving, and so that's really great. That's true. Uh, so after this, I have to go watch Resistance while reading a Star Wars book. Check. Preferably giving full attention to both at the same yes. time. Yes, and also watch uh, the next thing I need to watch for our next Luke episode, too. Correct. And yeah. somehow stay employed. Easy. Oh, and sleep. I guess you should sleep and eat, probably. Easy. Easy. I, you know what? Those are optional. Easy. I'm going to make Rice Krispie treats, too. Oh, it's going to be a good day. We're going to be very tired. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, this was a lot of fun. We had so much fun talking about Luke. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's put a stake in it. All right. Until next time, I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday. May the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.